Teachers have a tough job. They face so many obstacles from students, parents, colleagues, administrators, from themselves. And yet, teachers find so many ways to craft beautiful, transformative relationships that lead to learning, inspiration, and joy. This is the Ready to Teach podcast, and unlike most of the decisions being made in schools, this podcast is made for teachers by teachers. Let's get ready to teach. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Jonathan Tomic, and this week I am neck deep in what teachers across Baltimore and across the country are neck deep in, arranging our classrooms. So that's what we're going to talk about this week. Some of the basic principles in setting up your room and arranging your classroom so that it becomes an, an environment of learning. And to talk with us about the topic, we have our first kindergarten and elementary school teacher, Jane Tomic. You might notice that that last name is very similar, and by very similar, I mean the exact same as mine. That is because she is my aunt. But of course, that is not what qualifies her to be on the show. What qualifies her to be on the show is her decade of teaching experience in kindergarten, and this year she is making the leap to first grade. So she's branching out into elementary school, and she is going to share with us some things that have worked in her classroom, some things that haven't worked, some things she's going to try this year, and uh, some of her thinking and, and her guiding principles as she arranges her classroom. So for veteran teachers, I think this episode is going to be a great reminder checklist of some of the do's and don'ts. And for new teachers, I think you're going to hear a lot of practical suggestions and you're going to hear uh, the voice of experience and hopefully that will help you avoid some of the mistakes that we've made and that have taken us multiple years to learn. Have you thought historically, really strategically about how your room is arranged? I have. I give that serious thought. And it can be a bit of a dilemma because sometimes you're constrained by what has been placed in your classroom. For example, they placed my iPad shelf, which in our district is every child has an iPad. They put it in a place that, you know, was not ideal in terms of my arrangement. Um, Same with my speaker that goes with my smart board. They placed it. So sometimes you just have to make decisions based on what you have but the biggest thing about kindergarten in particular is and any grade is safety comes first in the sense that as a teacher whether you're guiding a reading group or a math group or just meeting with a student you need to be able to see every child needs to be visible at all times so you don't want bookshelves or other shelving in the way where you could not see what's going on. Now, you might have an occasional corner that you just can't see, but in terms of when they're working or reading with a friend, you want to be able to see them um, because you never want a parent to say, well, it happened because, you know, you couldn't see them. You know, Billy kicked Timmy because you couldn't see them. Um, that should just never happen. Safety needs to be your goal. Likewise, with 
you know, if you have carpets on your floor that are frayed or, you know, you need to make your classroom safe. So that's number one. And then after that, there is a comfort factor. Um, different years, I've tried different arrangements. Um, kindergarten, I'm definitely big on a rug when we have our morning meeting, kind of that SEL component, social-emotional learning, and that community feeling. So I like them on a rug. But then they'll transition to a table. Again, you need to have – I've had rooms where the tables are so close together the children can be – you know, tripping over chairs. So you need to make sure things are spaced well. The biggest thing I've experienced or experimented with is table height. My first few years had the same table. We do rectangular tables, both in kindergarten and first grade. We don't go to desks until second grade. That was a very conscious decision. Um, So my first two, three years, I had everyone had the same rectangular table, occasionally a round table. I might do that. And I've also used a U-shaped table for that child who is has some difficulty keeping his or her hands to themselves. If you have the U-shaped table, that means there really is, and they're sitting at the end of that U, the top of that U, they're not able to, they can put their arms out and aren't able to touch a, another classmate. So a U-shaped table can be very valuable for Are- that excessive child are you talking about a u-shaped table so there's actually like a, a a space carved out in the middle of it yes for like a teacher it's usually used as a reading table where the right. teacher can up. Um, but yes it can also be an effective classroom table to put that fidgety child on one end of the u oh i haven't heard of that strategy before yeah so then they're not i mean they're they're gonna be close to another child but they don't have anyone physically next to them no chair directly to the right or the left of them. So that can be very helpful. Um, and, and for some students, it just gives them a little extra space too. Right. But back to the table height. So typically, they're all the same. However, I have experimented with and did two years ago. I had a table to the floor, just slightly raised, so they could sit on a cushion or their knees and work. One year, I just made that a table. And I've since switched that, that that is a table available. So I have all students at the same table. However, there are two tables, one small and one's a little larger, that is at knee height. And it serves two purposes. One is it's just sometimes they don't want to sit in a chair. And that ability to just be on their knees um, or on a cushion gives them some freedom. And it gives them a choice. Do you want to work low like this or do you want to work at table height? Um, and one year I actually had a standing desk. Um, there was a child who I noticed he would always stand up and do his work. He'd lean over. And so I talked to my principal and I said, can we get a standing desk? And she said, sure. And he loved that. Um, we kept his regular seat at the table as well, but most times he did his academic work at the standing desk, even in kindergarten. Wow. Yeah. So as you're, as you're describing all of this, I mean, clearly what what it sounds like the underlying philosophy of these different heights of tables are is that students can choose what's more comfortable for them. Exactly. And I, I would imagine a lot of teachers of older students like me would think that 
there would be almost no choice in kindergarten and the lower grades because they're not developed enough to really make choices. And maybe that's a really uninformed uh, a viewpoint from my perspective. But I mean, you're, you're already letting them make choices about how they're going to be most effective in doing their work. Exactly. And you're right. I, like I said, I wouldn't have done it my first few years. And more and more of us have experimented with it. And we've also experimented with hokey stools. So those are those stools that wobble. Right. Um, and we've, I have not had success with those. I find we don't have a classroom set because some children don't enjoy them. They rather have a back to their chair. Um, and then if you only have a couple hokey stools, then there's arguments over them. So I've not had success with those. I've also tried a ball, one of the big, um, you know, fitness balls. Right. Um, I'm not a huge fan of those either. Um, they take up a lot of space and they end up being a toy more than anything. Um, so I've not had success with them in kindergarten and I'll see at this point, I don't anticipate needing one in first grade, but you know, I'm always willing to try it. So can I ask how, how long does it take for the students to get comfortable and, and for you to set kind of all of the expectations and the boundaries for students to, to make those choices in your classroom and for chaos not to ensue. Obviously, you, they don't come in on day one and you just say, sit wherever you want and go wherever you want. Well, interesting you should say that because I've also experimented with that. And I just talked to my former kindergarten teammate yesterday about this. Um, a few years, I started out allowing them to pick a spot on the rug. Now, I'm a big fan. They actually have rugs out there called the classroom management rug. And it tends to have a system to it, another an alphabet letter, a, a, a shape, um, a number. And then you assign a child and say, look, you are on the blue triangle. And that's always your spot. Um, it can, for some students who need that structure, it can be great. Um, but then I always like to treat children with respect as well, and I'll say, all right, find a spot. And if they can do it, and some years they can, where they don't, they're not touching other friends or they're talking too much, we just keep it like that. It has not been too successful in kindergarten. I have higher expectations for first grade. My hope is that they come in tomorrow and they're going to find a spot, and we're going to talk about what it means to be on the rug and what expectations we should have on the rug, and that they might have a different spot every day. We'll see. But it did not. It was not successful in kindergarten. In terms of their table seating, I will have them all do the same thing for at least a month, if not two months, before I start allowing this, hey, why don't you go work at the short table? Or, hey, why don't you get a clipboard and work on your tummy while you're, while you're writing? Um, I say it'll be a couple months, I think. Okay. But definitely want them to have. So going back to your room arrangement, you need to have some spaces for, um, you know, for spreading out. It's really important. And, and I know one thing all us kindergarten teachers talk about is a room can be overstimulating. And that's a tough one because in this day and age between job charts and rotation centers and word walls and phonics charts, um, it can be too much for some kids. And that's always a dilemma as well. But if you have it too low key, 
you, then you're always hanging up charts for that moment, and that can be inconvenient. Right. Um, there's a world. There's a woman out there named Reagan Tunstall, and she has Tunstall's teaching tidbits, and she has taught many grades. She has amazing classrooms, and she has, if you go to Pinterest or her blog, she will show you photos of her classroom. I mean, she takes time to paint the walls, to put up different curtains, wall hangings. It can be very, very soothing, (laughs) and I think soothing is nice, but sometimes we don't have that luxury. Right. So that actually transitions well to the next thing I wanted to ask about, which is ambiance. You know, you mentioned earlier that that comfort is a big factor and you're talking now about, you know, creating a, a soothing atmosphere. What what kind of ambiance do you go for? Hmm. Well, this is first grade and I I have a theme, so it's owls. Um wise owls. Yeah, wise owls. I I don't know. I just I, I like different areas of the room. I want a writing table. I want a reading nook. And if I have one disappointment in my room this year is I don't really have a reading nook. Um, it just is not working out for me, but I'm going to think about it for the next year. Um, I've always had a little center where the ch- children go to the classroom library and they feel like it's a, like a little hut, if you will. And I don't have that. This is a very, very open classroom, and that'll be new to me. Um, are there ways yeah, I, I want it to be engaging I, I don't really have a specific ambiance with this room yet there is a little bit of a theme and we I have had some curtains made and there are some things hanging some kind of lanterns hanging from the ceiling to jazz things up a little bit but you know it still looks very classroom yeah that that's and, that was going to be my next question what are ways that you manipulate like light and um you know, natural light versus lamps versus, does your room have fluorescent lights naturally? Yeah, fluorescent lights. Fortunately, this year, I'm getting some nice sunlight from um, uh, from out the street there, which is kind of nice, and I've opened the shades up. Uh, that brings me to my point. I've always had a little center in the reading area that I did have a, a lamp, and I dimmed the lights a little bit. I, I don't have that right now, and I'll see how that works. But I've seen teachers who have that, and it's always very appealing to me personally. Hmm. Are there some ways that you specifically changed the way you're going to arrange your room in preparation for first grade compared to kindergarten? Because I would imagine that even though it's one grade, that's a bigger leap than, say, 10th to 11th grade or 11th grade to 12th grade. Not really, because the end of kindergarten the beginning of first grade is kind of the end of kindergarten one thing for example i'm going to allow them to sharpen their own pencils this year so i've had to make sure that the pencil sharpener is accessible and away from the the plug is away from the sink where last year i had the plug near the sink but the children weren't allowed to use the pencil sharpener um i just want to make sure i have walkways that i've set my tables far enough apart where they're not falling over each other um Safety, again, becomes an issue. Um, but no, I'm, I'm nothing big. I, I have a plan. We have STEM carts where um, there's several b- baskets, wire baskets of different building materials. And it will just be very important that I have room to spread those baskets out. 
Has there been anything that over the years you've tried in your classroom, in, in your arrangement, that hasn't worked out the way that you wanted it to? One year I tried the various table sizes where I dictated. That, didn't, that was not successful. There were students who just didn't want to go to that low table. Um, when, when you say and, dictated, do you mean you, you tried well, to decide this kid clearly prefers to sit on the floor, so they're going to go there? No, I meant, let's say I had four tables. I made one of them um, low. Where this year, I have four main tables. Every child's assigned with a name tag, a pencil box, all that. That will always be their seat, but they will have the option of going to these two lower tables. It is not their permanent seat. It will always be an option for them. I see. So, so having it as an option is, exactly. works better and is more comfortable. I, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it'll work well. And if I get to the point where someone, you know, if there's six of them always want this this low table, well, I'll have to face that if that should happen. But I don't think it will. I think most of them will prefer sitting in their chairs um, at, you know, table height. But we'll see. And if, if I find that... You know, half the class likes low tables, and we'll get, I'll lower them and get rid of the chairs, but I don't see that happening. Right. So you mentioned... But yes, that one year where I put a low table as a student table, that, that didn't go over well. I see. So you mentioned earlier, speaking of, of forcing kids into different, you know, sitting arrangements, uh, you mentioned earlier that your school has made a really deliberate choice to not start using desks until kindergarten, and... Oh, sorry, sorry, second grade. They, they start in kindergarten and first grade without desks. Sorry, that's what I meant to say. Um, but, you know, as, as a high school teacher, you know, desks or, or big tables are, are very often the, the, the norm. And, and even with classrooms that have tables, there's a very uh, – common you know all of the seats are arranged so that they're facing the front of the classroom where there's a projector um, I know even though you've your teaching career has been in kindergarten and first grade you've also uh, thought a lot about you know the developmental process and how students grow into middle and high school and beyond I mean you also have two kids who are about to be out of high school um, why do you think it, or, or do you have any thoughts on, on how we progress from kind of kindergarten and first grade into that rigid, now you sit in a desk, um, and learn differently all of a sudden? Well, I just spent several days at the high school for professional development, and it was nice to sit in those chairs that all have wheels, so for the you know Socratic you know uh, methods and discussions, those chairs were color coded and you could move around. So all of a sudden, our trainer said, "All right, blue chairs, you move over here and discuss the following." And how great was that? Um, that is really to cool. Just move those chairs around. So the high school is definitely getting away from tables, and they're going towards those ergonomically designed uh, chairs with wheels which was great. I think we do it in second grade. It's a great question. And I should, I should talk to some of our upper grade teachers. 
part of it is personal responsibility. All of a sudden, you have a desk that you are responsible for. You can't blame someone else if, you know, it gets marked up. You're being asked to put your supplies away. We're in kindergarten and first grade. There's a lot more sharing of supplies. Less, per, while we want personal responsibility, I might say there's a little less of it. And I think as they get older, we're asking for a little bit more personal responsibility. And they want, I believe, a little bit more personal space. Right. Uh, when you are teaching kindergarten, first grade, we often, some teachers use something called table points. So your whole table needs to, you know, be cleaned up and your chair pushed in. And, and so it's a group mentality. Look, one person doesn't chuck in their chair. Oop, you didn't get the table point. Well, when you get to the older grades, they want to take on more personal responsibility. Um, you can still have classroom, um, you know, challenges, if you will. But we have desks, but I do know that the upper grades are also experimenting with um, stand-up desks, with hokey stools and the balls that I was talking about, the exercise balls. Right. Uh, they are definitely experimenting with those. Yeah. And I hadn't thought about that piece that you brought up of, of that – you know, and you mentioned that your students in kindergarten need to have space you know, to move around safely. And obviously we need that in the upper grades too. But when you get into, especially like the years of puberty and adolescence, there's definitely a, there's a mental, like I have my personal space and I don't want other people invading my personal space and, Absolutely. you know, varying levels of self-consciousness. That makes a lot of sense to me. Definitely. And, you know, again, the younger grade safety, when we have indoor recess due to rain, which we haven't seen much here in Texas, but um, I need a big space to put on my indoor recess videos um, or to dance around. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Very important. Okay. Well, I know you have a lot of stuff to do in your classroom. I do. I would like to give you an opportunity, though, before we sign off, to give any words of wisdom or encouragement or caution to fellow teachers of any grade or first grade teachers or kindergarten teachers or whomever it may be. I think there's a frustration when you, having just done this, when you take over a new classroom, it can be overwhelming, particularly, I think, in the younger grades where there's a lot of materials, a lot of manipulatives, a lot of uh, work that you're going to use for literacy centers, and you're not sure what you want to do with it, and you try to organize it, or maybe you want to throw it out, and I really think, and it's been hard for me, I've looked at it, I've tried to decide, I really think I'm going to need this, I don't know, I'm going to give it one year to see what I need before I start throwing things out. And I've boxed up, boxed up some things, and I've tried to make a metal, metal note. I've taken some pictures of things, but there was too much. Between the things I brought with me and the items that were already here, it was too much, and it was overwhelming to me. And we have to give ourselves – we have to say it's okay. Not everything is going to flow as you want until you've had some experience in the room, until you've had experience with your students and see, are they the type that take care of supplies? Are they the type that share? Can you have everyone sharing the same markers and crayons, or do they need to each have their own pencil box and give some personal responsibility? But you're never going to get it perfect, and you need to let that go. Um, And then that's hard. 
but it's okay to put some things in a box and not look at them for a while. Here are the takeaways from this week's episode. One, the number one priority in arranging the classroom is safety. Two, visibility is a significant part of safety. Make sure there are no places for students to hide out of your sight. Three, avoid overstimulation and work to find balance between aesthetically pleasing and functional but not distracting. Four, however possible, Giving students choices for how and where they sit and work can help them stay comfortable and stay focused and feel like they have ownership in their classroom. Five, don't be afraid to explore different kinds of furniture and arrangements in your classroom. You can always change it later. Six, starting off with a more clear, more structured room arrangement with clear expectations for the first month or two is a good way to set expectations as students get comfortable with their classmates and their teachers. Seven, it's okay to put things in a box and not look at them for a while. That last one's for teachers who have inherited a classroom, maybe from a teacher who's left or from just a rearrangement and you've inherited all these things, it can be really overwhelming to decide if you should use them, if you should not use them. So it's okay. Just put them, at, put them in a box, look at them in December. I want you to know we have some resources at the bottom of our show notes that uh, Jane mentioned. That is uh, Tunstall Teaching Tidbits. I've checked out the website. There's some really cool stuff, especially if you are an elementary school teacher. I mean, stuff in there for all teachers, but um, she has some really cool uh, pictures of her classroom and, and her own room arrangement. Uh, may be worth checking out for ideas. I also have a link if you're interested, uh, elementary school and kindergarten teachers, in uh, checking out those classroom management rugs. I have a link to what one of those looks like. Of course, if you want to know more about Ready to Teach, you can find the link at the bottom of the show notes to readytoteach.com. If listening to this podcast has given you some ideas for room arrangement or you have some questions about arranging arranging your room and you want to share those with us, you can find us on Facebook, uh, search Ready to Teach uh, or at Ready for Teaching. And we would love to hear from you, uh, love to hear your questions and, and would love to talk room arrangement with you. Thank you for listening as you are arranging your own rooms. uh, I hope you are able to create environments that are warm, that are comfortable, and that are going to get students engaged. Good luck with the school year beginning, and until next week, be well.